Thank you so much. As you can tell, I didn't know how to dress for this occasion tonight, but I did want to say what a great, great honor it is for me to be honored here this weekend because uh, there's nothing like greatness, no matter what line of entertainment or life that you're in. And looking at some of those things kind of takes me back. I know some of you probably heard about uh, me having trouble getting down here tonight with my high heel shoes. Well, I've always uh, been one to try to make positives out of negatives. And I was always short, and I was always self-conscious about that. And so my shoes are real important to me. I wasn't really trying to be difficult. But the hard hat, I just didn't want to break my hair. So <laughs> I actually wouldn't have minded the hat. But Steve Wynn told me last year that they were going to uh, nominate me for this award. Uh, as one of the people that was part of this wonderful Academy of Achievement. And I thought that we were going to do everything at the Mirage Hotel, where I work at all the time. And, of course, uh, Steve has all this wonderful fantasy stuff there, and I've always just fit right in because I am the fakest, realest person you'd probably ever want to know. And uh, this is really not exactly my cup of tea, but I don't have any flat shoes, uh, I go barefoot or I wear high heels. And so Elaine Wynn said, Dolly, is it true that uh, you have 500 pairs of, of three-inch high heel shoes? I said, no, it's not true. I only have half that many, but they're twice as high. <laughs> but anyway, I want to thank Steve Wynn and uh, welcome all of you students. I think it's a great honor for you to be here, too, to be able to meet all these wonderful people, as it is for me, because... Uh, I don't know why they picked me. I know I've worked very hard, and I've always had a, a dream. And as uh, he was saying, I grew up in the Great Smoky Mountains of East Tennessee, and uh, I grew up in a family of 12 children. And it was not unusual for mountain people to marry young and to have big families. As a matter of fact, my mother was 15 years old and my dad 17 when they got married. And when my mother was 35 and daddy was 37, they'd already managed to have 12 kids. Now, that's working pretty fast. Somebody asked me if we were Catholic. I said, no, just horny Baptist. And <laughs> uh, I don't mean that disrespectful. My folks loved each other, and uh, they loved us. And I dreamed all of my life as a child of being a star. I didn't know exactly what star meant. I just wanted to be loved and appreciated. And music was a gift in our family. Most of my people used to sing in the churches and local events. And uh, everybody could play some sort of a musical instrument. But early on, I realized that I could get a lot of attention with my music because I was pretty good at it to be little. I started playing guitar when I was seven. And started singing on local radio and television when I was 10, before we even owned a television. I was on one. And, uh, of course, it was, you know, just always a part of me because I, I realized that in a family of that many kids, we didn't get a lot of the special personal attention that we might have needed, but we knew we were loved, and Mom and Daddy took the best of care of us, the best that they knew how. And uh, my dad never had a chance to even go to school. He can't read and write, but 
That's why it's so important to me that I do a lot of the work that I do with the young people in the education up in East Tennessee. And part of our Dollywood Foundation is set up to help educate and for the medical needs in the county. But anyway, um, I graduated from Sevier County High School on, on a Friday night back in 1964. And I got up real early the next morning got on a Greyhound bus with all those songs I'd been writing, my little ragged clothes and my little old please don't rain cardboard suitcase and headed out to what I thought was going to be a, a grand life, and it has been. But I never had been away from home, and I was so homesick. I spent the better part of two years crying myself to sleep. I never had slept in a bed by myself because we always lived in small houses, and we slept three and four in a bed. And that wasn't so bad, except everybody peed in the bed. <laughs> uh, oh, don't act like you never did. Because <laughs> if you didn't, somebody peed on you. I'm not trying to be tacky about that. It's just that when you're that homesick and you're that far away from home, be surprised how you miss stuff like pee. And kids crying all through the night and toenails digging into your shin bones. I'd give anything on earth if I could have gone home. A lot of you kids that are heading out on your lives right now are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. But it was the love that came from my faith in God and in my family that kept me sane and has kept me sane through all these years of great times, but a lot of heartache and a lot of hard times, too. But um, people always ask me, especially young kids, and when I do a lot of the work with the kids, as I was talking about, they, they always seem to want to know what the magic formula is for success. I don't think there is a magic formula. I think, first of all, you have to believe in who you are, and you have to uh, be willing to sacrifice if you have to. And it was always so important to me to see my dreams come true because they were all I knew. They were my companions. They were the things that I knew would keep me alive and keep me happy. And this weekend, I've been visiting with several of these great people that have really become wonderful in this world and certainly here in the United States. And I see so many of them that really don't seem to be that happy with their success. Now, to me, I think there's a big difference in being successful and being a success. I think you are truly a success if you can enjoy your own self and enjoy your own work and find the joy and, and the humor in life and the things you do. Humor has always been my greatest weapon, my greatest defense, because I think if I can laugh, then I can live. And I think that's something that people should always try to keep in mind. I had a whole bunch of notes, uh, but I don't guess I'm going to read them because I don't do good with paper unless I'm writing a song. But when I was looking at the, the movies and the things that I have done in my life, it's been so moving to me that people like you and the general American public have allowed me to see my little girl dreams come true. I mean, it's a long ways from the Smoky Mountains to what they call the top of the world, but 
It really is a, a great country that we live in, and it is still a land of opportunity. And I'm sure you're going to be hearing all kinds of speeches, just like what Kevin was saying and different ones. But it's like for you to be able to live in a place free enough to allow you your dreams, then I think we should all be very grateful for that. And we all perceive God, I think, in our own way. To me, God is many, many things. And he's always been that, that great divine energy and that great divine strength, that better part of me, that knowing self and smarter self. And I just think that it's so important that you have something to believe in bigger than you, even if it is just your dreams, because otherwise I think people have real problems with their egos. There's nothing wrong with having an ego. It's ego problems. Nothing wrong with having pride. It's false pride. And when you don't even know who you are and you don't know, I don't think, what to do with your dreams if you don't have a clear direction. So it's always good, I think, to focus on things. And I wanted to, what I started to say about the movies, I've, uh, after I got, had a chance to become successful in Nashville as a uh, fairly big country music singer back in the mid-60s and early 70s, then I decided that I wasn't really making all that much money. And I was in the music business. So I thought, well, I need to be thinking more about the business end of this because I'd always uh, had my dreams, of course. In fact, once I told my mama, I said, Mama, one of these days I'm going to be so rich that I'm going to buy you a house so big that it's going to take you two days to walk from the kitchen to the bedroom. <laughs> and she said, oh, you and your dreams. But it is me and my dreams. And it's you and, and your dreams. And I've, uh, like I say, accomplished a great deal as far as the music. And in fact, I was very honored that Kevin Costner's new movie, or a new movie that's coming out called Bodyguard, they featured a song I wrote back in the late 60s, early 70s. And, you know, that always makes you feel good. And then I had the great opportunity to get to be in the movies. I got teamed up with a wonderful man that is my manager and a business partner and one of the greatest friends that I've ever had in my life, Sandy Gallon. And I went to him with my dreams back then when everybody in Nashville was telling me that I was going to be making a big mistake to try to get out of Nashville and try to get out of country music. I said, I'm not trying to get out of country music. I want to take it with me, but I am going other places because I felt like the world was out there and it was as much mine as it was everybody else's. And I was going to be in this business, so why not try to make a little more money because I knew by having more money I could make myself happier and do a lot more things for a lot of other people. So I headed out went out to California to talk to this L.A. management that I had been warned against, saying that I was going to fall on my face. And uh, I told Sandy what my dreams were, and I told him, I said, I think that uh, if you'll manage me properly, you could have a big star on your hands. <laughs> of course, I was bluffing a bit, but I believed it if he managed me properly. See, because my dreams were intact, and I thought, well... You know, I'll be happy to do my part. Of course, I look back now, and even though many of us that rise to whatever greatness 
they say we have, sometimes you want to believe that you're anointed or that you're blessed or that you've been called to do this thing. And I'd like to believe that all those things have been true in my life, but also the older I get, the more I realized how much luck has played a part of it because I know many, many people that started out in Nashville about the same time, time I did, and people that wrote better songs and could sing them better. They didn't make it. And I've often wondered if it wasn't because I stayed so focused on my dreams. I wouldn't let family or anybody take me from my dream. And I think that is one of the things that one must remember when they are out on a dream. So through Sandy Gallon, I started uh, doing some bigger things, network television and getting in the movies, like the first movie with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, 9 to 5. I'd never even seen a movie made, but it was great. I seemed to do well with women. And um, then, of course, I had a chance to work with Burt Reynolds and Sylvester Stallone and James Woods and, um, of course, Steel Magnolias with all those wonderful ladies was one of my the highlights of my career but you know in the tabloids and in the rag mags as they say uh, they always have you teamed up having an affair with whoever you're working with but just because you do a movie with somebody doesn't mean you get emotionally involved in fact Burt Reynolds told me that after he did the movie Deliverance he didn't call Ned Beatty <laughs> but anyhow Still trying to be funny here. Anyway, uh, I've read recently in some of the magazines where it said I was a real smart businesswoman and uh, that I made a lot of real smart decisions. And that's a great compliment, but how smart can I be? Because I'm the only woman I know that's done three musicals with three men that can't sing a lick. Burt Reynolds, Sylvester Stallone. But anyhow, these people have become great friends of mine. They, like me and like you, have had their own dreams, and we've seen them come true. And I have uh, seen a lot of my dreams kind of go by the wayside because wishes and dreams, you know, they, they come false as well as true. But I can always say that I have always been willing to stick my neck out. I've had it chopped on a few times, but... Never had it chopped off. Because usually, I'm the kind of person that learns from whatever failures that, I mean, to me, I don't call them failures, just learning lessons. And in closing, I'd like to just share a, a few lines from a song or poem, something I wrote some time back that I shared with some of the students that I speak to back home. And uh, this is mainly for the, the students here. Says, I have chased after rainbows. I've captured one or two. I've reached for the stars, and I've even held a few. I've walked that lonesome valley, topped the mountains, soared the sky. I've laughed and I've cried, but I have always tried. I've always been a dreamer, and dreams are special things. But dreams are of no value if they're not equipped with wings. So secure yourself for climbing, make ready for the sky, prepare your dreams for flying, 
and don't be afraid to try. So just try to be the first one up the mountain and the highest flying eagle in the sky. And don't let somebody tell you you can't do it. And if they say it, show them it's a lie. And just try to think of life as just a journey. And the road gets rough and rocky now and then. But try each day to try a little harder. And if you fall, we'll get up and try again. And I would just like to say that I hope you have a wonderful life. And may the angels fly with you. Thanks.